in the early 21st century, magic reawakened on Earth, and alongside it, a new human race of orcs, elves, trolls, dwarves, and others. Humanity became meta-humanity. Technology proliferated and greatly advanced in the awakened world as global megacorporations seized ever more power, becoming de facto states with their own laws, courts, and armed forces. The corporations attempt to control all aspects of modern life. This has led to a vast and complex criminal underground which works for and against corporate interests. The independent career criminals who do what others can't or won't are called shadow runners. The year is 2102. Welcome to Fun City. This episode of Fun City contains extended descriptions of police violence. Previously on Fun City, the team is trapped in Bryant Park by a squadron of knight-errant peace agents after they follow an anti-police demonstration north from the apartment of Tariq Jabala. Vern claims Tariq is a victim of Evo's experiments on NYPD Incorporated employees, but Lux leaves Tariq's apartment with more questions than answers. Why was he a target? And what does Evo have to gain? In Bryant Park, TK disables a Metro Health Corps medevac helicopter by somewhat accidentally dropping half an ancient flaming tree on it at great cost to his own health. Viv assists Lux in acquiring a health core uniform and he takes a scutterbug webbed first responder onto the remaining chopper. Lash squirrels TK below Bryant Park into the service tunnels connecting the kiosks and Viv follows as do two knight errant peace agents. They toss a stink grenade ahead of them and follow the team less Lux into the utility tunnels, inviting them to return topside so they may synergize regarding an equitable peace process for all stakeholders. We join the team now, Viv, Lash, and TK in the stinking utility tunnels facing two knight-errant agents with Lux above ground stowed away in plain sight on the Evo Medevac cargo copter. Nick, what does Lux want to do? Lux at the moment, I believe, is still using his snips to cut this uh, guy out of the scuttlebug wrapping. He wants to do a very slow job of this uh, because ultimately Lux has resigned himself to actually flying away with this helicopter to see where they're taking these people. Um, it's incredibly dangerous and there's a good chance he'll get caught on the way, but he can't think of any other opportunity like this. Uh, he was recently met with someone that he spoke to that he thought he could get a lot of information from about their operations. He got nothing. So he's desperate He's scared. He doesn't feel like he's safer outside the helicopter, to be honest. He's just going to be waiting here until they are, are going to pull off and he's going to find out where they're taking people. Lux, as you are trying to snip this guy out of the uh, scuttlebug webbing that's got him, uh, you've got the snips in your hand. There's a bunch of people around you. Like, what's your attitude about everybody? Are you sort of like keeping an eye on everyone? Are you trying to not be conspiratorial? Do you feel confident and comfortable sort of blending in? Yeah, that's the only thing that Lux knows how to do. I don't know if... <laughs> We've talked about this before, but that's all oh, that Lux like can do. So, is he? so the, yeah, he's he's comfortable doing that. You know, he's he's clocking people. He's, he wants to see, how, you know, if there's any standard and practices of like what people do when they come in the copter, you know, uh, stuff like that. But he's just making himself look busy by cutting this. As you said, this is hard to do with even the regular scissors, but he's making it even harder. He wants this to take a long time to try to get his friend out of um, this. He's got a helmet on, so he's not too noticeable uh, as Lux. He 
feels like nobody would walk into the copter and just point at him and be like, you! But, of course, that may happen. <laughs> you so, don't belong here! <laughs> so we'll see. So you're in the cargo hold of this helicopter that's slightly north, and uh, you are a couple dozen feet in. Uh, the cargo door is open on the ground on the surface of... It's on the grass, but it's just at the edge of what is normally a ice skating rink, uh, but the sides of the wall are down uh, since a summer is just ending. And so you can see where the ice skating rink is just outside of where the cargo door is open. And across the length of Bryant Park, uh, on the other side of hundreds of people just running this way and that, Metro Health uh, Care core folks um, moving people around on stretchers, night errant peace agents uh, grabbing people, running after people, protesters doing any number of things, uh, running for their lives, trying to escape. Uh, you see the distant helicopter, uh, the other one, the second one that uh, has the tree crushed on top of it and is on fire. And uh, as it has been slowly becoming engulfed in flames, you've seen people rushing around, trying to get as much as they can off of it and away from it, warning people, uh, trying to just get equipment, supplies, stretchers, any personnel that might be on there, even protesters who were uh, on board or about to be on board when the tree fell, you know, people who were going to be taken away for medical care, quote unquote, like who knows? And uh, the action around that other helicopter has been really frantic, but it's getting more and more sparse as people have gotten more things off of it. And now it's small numbers of people running very quickly into the open cargo door, ducking as they navigate into the caved-in roof, shielding their faces as they approach because there's a bunch of fire in there. Uh, you see Metro Healthcare Corps members uh, leading cuffed protesters uh, away from that helicopter and that general area towards those bulbous trucks and also towards you, coming towards you, the second helicopter. You see health corps members and protesters being carried around on stretchers, uh, both the stand-up wheeled ones and the two-person horizontal carried ones. And you see people just kind of like carrying these people around looking lost, like they don't exactly know where to go. And you watch one person race in to this other helicopter, throw their hands into the air. Uh, you, know, you can see them lit by the fire and then they run out and it's just pouring rain. It is torrential, nonstop, just sheets and sheets of rain. And you think that you can see from where you are for a second, the fire in the second helicopter slowly start to diminish and get lower. And you see the smoke and you see some sizzle and the part of the tree starts to go out. Uh, the fire starts to get smaller. And then you hear what sounds like someone opening the valve on an air compressor, though it's just much, much, much louder and you hear it only for a, a second, a split second, and then you hear and you are shook. It's the thunder rumble that you just heard times 10 as the other helicopter explodes. Do you see <gasps> a fireball shoot up from the center of <gasps> the helicopter? Massive fireball erupts right from it. The force of it pushes the treetop that was laying on top of it, crushing it right off of it and onto the wet grass of Bryant Park. 
and this uh, circle of people who were around it. A bunch of them are knocked to the ground. A bunch of them put their hands in front of their faces. Some people stumble back. Uh, You hear a lot of people shout and scream. You uh, see uh, health corps members, protesters, both fighting and subdued. You even see a few knight-errant peace agents fall down. You, from across the park, feel the heat and the force, and you hear people shout from the other side of the rain, and you are in here with a group of other people, and one of them is standing next to you, is just stopped, and has just watched this happen, and is like slack-jawed, and he's looking at it, and he looks at you, and he looks out the cargo door, and he goes, whoa. Oh. Ain't never seen a chopper explode before. This is a fucking party. And you can see, like, one protester on a stretcher, like, trying to undo her restraints after the person who was carrying her has been knocked over. And the guy who said, whoa, cool, like, points at her and nudges you. And he says, yo, oh, you got to go strap her back in. I'm going to go make sure that no one else needs any help. That is, whoa, this is fucking nuts, man. And then he runs out and everybody else in the chopper that you're in runs out uh, either slightly before or slightly after him. Lux just keeps cutting this <laughs> this guy or, or actually you know what he looks around is there is there literally nobody else who's working in the copter? There are a bunch of restrained protesters many of whom uh-huh. are like varying levels of consciousness. Uh, you are not looking at the entirety of the area within the chopper, but there's not nearly as many people now as there were seconds ago. You're not going to go restrain a person who is going to get out of their restraints? No. I'm not going to do that. I don't want to reveal this too early in the episode, but I'm actually on the protester's side, Mike. (laughs) Um, I know we weren't supposed to pick sides. Nick! Um, Spoiler tags! (laughs) Spoiler tags! I thought you were on the fence. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to do that. So this guy runs away, so Lux doesn't need to respond, but Lux thinks to himself, why would this character do this? Why would this guy do this at all? This guy is a medical responder. He's going to be taking care of people and getting them to the medical facility. He's not going to be restraining people. So it wouldn't make sense for him to restrain this person that's trying to, to get away. Uh, he, he seems like a coward and that he wouldn't be able to do that. So he doesn't do that. Um, and he lets this um, protester do whatever they want. Um, and he pretends to keep uh, trying to cut his friend out away. He's just trying to run down the clock to get lift off and to see where they're taking these people. Uh, you see the woman who is on the ground strapped to this uh, stretcher that's no longer being pulled. Uh, one of her arms in one of those manacles attached to the side. Uh, and the other uh, with a manacle that's clearly been broken in two. And she's like bent over in the rain and the mud struggling trying to get it off and yeah you stay there in the helicopter underground you're in the tunnel and as the metal pipes and the, the sort of catwalk weird industrial you know like metal tunnel around you shakes from the explosion above the night errant peace agents stare at you with their implacable placid white shielded faces and you hear a voice filtered through their individual PA perp address system. Stakeholders, we hear you. We invite you to the process of creating peace. They level their weird modular tech guns at your heads. You all are in these really thin, 
hallways that are underneath Bryant Park. If you look up above you, there are ladders that you can pull down to go into kiosks that are on the surface. And you all are a couple dozen feet away from having gone underground from the Lafweir kiosk. Uh, you are underneath, uh, depending upon how far you've gone, either Brat Dogs or Sam On, which are two of the food kiosks. So you are just surrounded by boxes of uh, soy bratwurst and fake soy salmon tacos, effectively. Uh, there's a bunch of storage around here. And I think we mentioned last time that if you're closer to Sam On, just slightly further away from where you entered. Uh, there's like a tiny kitchen that's down here for food prep. So are they in front of TK or are they behind Viv? They are behind Viv. So Lash is going to, she knows TK is hurting. So she is instinctually, she's already in front of him, but she is using her body to sort of block him off and screams, Viv, uh, Viv is like, she just climbed down a ladder. She's been trying to catch up to TK. She doesn't know where they're going. And she turns around slowly and looks at the knight errant peace officers. And rain is dripping from her hair. And she goes, yes, Lash. Uh, can you take care of this? I don't think we're working at full capacity here. I'm on it. She turns to face them, and there's a stink bomb, correct? Like A stink bomb was thrown maybe 15, 20 seconds ago. Uh, so the hallway is filling with just this putrid, acrid, acrid, is that the right word? Scent of, uh, yeah, like rotten eggs, burning hair. It's just a perfect concoction of all of the worst smells. And yeah, it's like really getting in the nostrils. <coughs> Lash, get away from here. And Viv puts a sleeve over her mouth and just with all of her might, she wicks tons of water from behind her. She pulls so hard that the water comes off of TK. It's wicking from the sides of the chamber and she summons a spirit. You all look down and you look around you in the tight quarters of the tunnels underneath Bryant Park and you see water start to rise from the surface of the floor. And you see it start to levitate off of the surface of the cookware that's to your left and to your right. It's not moving up, it's moving out and away from any surface that it's currently touching. And then it just slowly starts to move and like levitate and almost vibrate towards Viv uh, as she reaches her hands behind her and tries to pull moisture towards her person. Viv, roll your summoning at a detriment of two dice because it just smells so bad. It is extremely hard to concentrate. And I think Taylor, the Knight Errant Guards, uh, the Knight Errant Peace Agents have like a split second to do something as they see Viv like struggling through this smell and like really ramping up for whatever is about to happen. Yeah, a Force 4 spirit would normally be 16 D6, but now it's going to be 14. <laughs> The cool of the peace agents is very quickly, but only slightly broken for a second, as one of them whips their head to their right to look at the other guy, and you hear that weird PA uh, voice of theirs say, Mage, Mage. The one who spoke moves first, reaches into a zippered pocket on his thigh, and pulls out a 
what looks to be like a five inch long plastic tube. It looks like a neon yellow glow stick. You hear that glow stick crackle in his hand, but the stick doesn't emit light. Instead, something you recognize immediately happens. That plastic stick must have been some kind of magical artifact because immediately in front of him appears a shimmering purple and orange mana bear. It looks like a thick one. Six hits, yeah. Viv, you you successfully summon a spirit for two services. Tell me what it looks like. It is a giant cucumber that fills the space in front of her. <laughs> it manifests and blocks away. She's, At this point, T- TK yeah. is, you know, he's like caught his breath a bit. He feels suddenly dry. He turns around, sees the mana barrier in the cucumber, and... He's so tired and so angry that everything has gone wrong that he goes into a berserker's rage. He's like, he just wants to get the fuck out of this, whatever it is. So he doesn't comedy of this, but like Viv and Lash, you can tell he's like, something's different. Lash suddenly feels the energy. She was protecting TK and she suddenly like is overcome with kind of like a shiver down her spine and turns to TK. Yeah, so the first thing TK does is he runs past Lash, grabs Viv by the waist, and <gasps> starts sprinting the other direction. Oh, I can't leave Pickle behind! He can't, TK can't <laughs> hear her. The next thing he does is he grabs Lash by the wrist and just yanks her forward and leaves the Pickle in the mana barrier. So you grab Viv and then Lash and you start running. I just want to describe what your options are so that you can tell me where you want to run. Basically, every kiosk that you are underneath, uh, there is a hallway that branches off to the east and the west. So you can go north and south along this hallway that you've been walking on, but every you know uh, 10 or 12 feet or so, there's another hallway that goes left or right, or you can run straight ahead, uh, which is due north, uh, basically exactly north, until you hit a corner that just goes east. And you know that that would be going to roughly where the other helicopter is. So which direction do you want to go? He runs north and then takes the first hallway to the east. Okay. And once he turns right, he wants to like slam his axe into whatever pipe looks like it's going to emit some sort of like gas or steam to block the way behind him. Okay, you grab them and you start to book it and you take a right and you start going uh, east and you go down another hallway. The lights are clicking on as you're running. Uh, It's dark and then it's light. At the end, it's dark, but as you keep going, you push forward, forward. They're clicking on because of the motion detectors. It smells so weird right here because you are directly underneath Sam on and you are surrounded (laughs) by a bunch of basically like it's canned... Uh, like soy salmon so it never goes bad but it's been flavored with the scent of fish so it just smells like canned soy fish and there's all these boxes of it towering above you uh, and you look above you're looking for something to hit with an axe and you see these uh, bundles of cables just running all up and down every hallway you see these small pipes these networks of pipes going in and out of various walls and I, like I don't think uh, like unless you want to try to roll logic for it like it's not immediately obvious what any of them do uh, and down towards the end of this hallway uh, you can't really see where you're headed but you can see that there are 
are like in the middle light of this hallway that has just popped on as you've turned the corner. Uh, you can see what looks like a stack of posters for a garbage collection schedules. Uh, I don't think I'm going to try and roll logic because you get a plus two to all physical attributes and a minus two to all mental attributes. <laughs> oh. So you're just going to swing. swing at the yeah. first thing you see. Okay. The hallway in front of them has just exploded into a enormous pickle. Uh, like just, <laughs> a, you know, a sea cucumber is a weird looking thing. Yeah. Um, but they saw that she was magic and they've been trained for encountering the awakened. Although this is viewed as an extremely rare phenomenon. They just went through training. So, th- th- you know, <laughs> wow. they saw like this might happen. Sea cucumber, a little bit of a surprise. <laughs> they can see through it enough to sort of tell that their quarry has run away from them and to the right. And so the taller one stands behind the shorter one who has the mana barrier, downloads the blueprints of Bryant Park and the maintenance tunnels in the Sadokrup Enclave. There it is. Sees essentially the design of the hallway and realizes they can take an immediate right and they do so. Mm. The shorter one with the mana barrier is in front. The taller one, gun drawn, is behind him. TK, you're running through the hallways, uh, through the tunnels underneath Bryant Park, and you are carrying Viv. Uh, Viv, how are you feeling about this? Very, very, uh, just not prepared for this. Like, she was summoning with all of her might and suddenly picked up. I'm picturing Viv, like, reaching out like, no, my baby. Pickle! <laughs> Lash is also very stressed because she knows how injured TK is because she got a good look at him, and she knows that when he goes into a rage that he doesn't think logically and it often results in tragedy. TK swings at the first hanging low sort of skinny pipe that he sees as he enters this hallway, takes this right. And uh, it's the first one that seems obvious that he can get with his axe. Uh, He knows he can hit it really solidly, maybe make a connection and maybe knock it loose. And he does so and he connects. All of you hear the clank of metal on metal. You hear the sort of screech of metal cutting through metal and then you start to smell a gas leak because Good. you Good. have pierced a gas Good. line. Uh, I rolled one to six and thought one will be the worst result and six will be the best result, and I rolled a one. So That's perfect, though. <laughs> wow. How does it smell worse in because here? Because Errant is in pursuit, right? Knight Errant is in pursuit, but they are not following directly behind you. They're going around the block. Topside, Lux, you're in the helicopter. You're standing in the cargo helicopter. A bunch of people just left to try to go help and see what's going on, um, where uh, there's a bunch of people just got hurt. There was an explosion on the other side of Bryant Park. It is absolute mayhem out there. And yeah, dozens, a dozen, uh, maybe slightly more, ran out to try to get people. And uh, they're now starting to come back. People who are wounded, they're bringing in protesters. They're bringing in a couple night errant guards. Uh, they're bringing in MetroCare Health Corps people, uh, you know, folks who are covered in mud and uh, some of whom are bleeding. Someone comes in uh, with this like tall blonde guy uh, who's older, and he's basically helping along. He's got this person putting their full weight on him, and it's this younger kid uh, who's. They're both wearing the uh, MetroCore uniform, uh, and the tall blonde guy uh, shouts and. Uh, uh, he sees you. He sees you trying to cut. And he's like, that guy, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. We got, we have more important things going on right now. You, can you help this guy? You, this guy needs help. And he is like sort of kind of like pushing this person towards you. Uh, okay. To try to like, and they cannot stand on their own. They're like not doing well. 
Okay, describe the person that he's asking me to help. It's a younger guy. He's maybe like five, six. Uh, one of the few people who's wearing the Metro Core hat, uh, which kind of looks like a conductor's hat uh, with a red ring on the top of it. And he is covered in mud, uh, like just barely through the mud. You can see what looks like. Uh, you can't tell if it's his blood, if it's someone else's blood. Uh, he's coughing. Uh, you can maybe see like little wisps of brown hair coming out from underneath the hat. But he's like just in a way. Lux does have a first aid skill. Um, in fact, he's got a all of the biotech group a, a skill group. Um, so he is going to, uh, you know, as I think this person would stop cutting his friend out of the scuttlebug web, and he's going to pull this guy up uh, into the helicopter further and uh, get him on some kind of a stretcher if he's not already, and he's going to apply uh, first aid. We're going to see if we can help this person. You get the guy, you like feel his weight sort of like fall into your arms. Uh, yeah. And he's like, it's nearly like dead weight. Like he is having a hard time standing up on his own and he's coughing. He's like, <coughs> yeah. Oh, you, you gotta help me. Oh, I, th- I, I think I broke her ring up. Oh, maybe four. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Just calm down. Just calm down. You're going to be okay. Just remember to breathe. Yeah, so I uh, apply my first aid skill um, using uh, whichever uh, tools and equipment that he has at hand, um, and he rolls three. Yeah, you lie the guy down on a gurney, and uh, you, like, go to work on him, (laughs) uh, bandaging up his chest, and um, he's wheezing and talking, and uh, he looks at you and he goes, (coughs) (coughs) Oh, you've been doing this long? I mean, yeah, I think, how do you feel? You better? It's your, I think your lip, your rib's broken. Oh, uh, fuck. Yeah, just I, take I, it easy, all right? Don't move. Don't move your head like that, all right? I told my mom when I took this job it would be safe. <coughs> oh, fuck. She's Why did you so say that? Bad. I mean, <laughs> she was, she was like, oh, get a job as a doctor. Get to be, a, you know, <laughs> following your dad's footsteps. And I don't, man. I don't want to work at a practice. I want to be out. <laughs> right. right. Just, yeah. You know well, what it's like, man? Practice is safe, man. A practice is safe. <laughs> you don't have to fly in exploding helicopters at a practice, man. How did, after this, oh. you should go do that. I think I'm done with this shit after this, too, man. Yeah, how did they sucker you into this bullshit? <laughs> Jesus. That bug, man. I saw that bug, and I think I'm done, man. That bug... That bug wasn't supposed to attack us, man. Bug? What bug? The scuttlebug. Look. And I point at the guy who has web all over him. They started attacking us too, man. They were treating us like those those people who like to think for themselves. (laughs) (laughs) You mean the... (laughs) Wait, Knight Errant is attacking us? I think it was a mistake, man. I don't know. He starts to try to get up, and he's like, we gotta go. We have to... Oh, oh, fuck. And he, like, grabs no, his side. Get up. He's like, you we have to up. go. And uh, he starts to stand, and he puts all of his weight on you, and it's like he immediately starts to fall. Roll roll strength. Oh, yeah. That's one of my strong suits. I have two <laughs> dice that I get to play around with. Should I roll them both, or should I just... <laughs> oh, no. One 
hit, which I think is still a is that a still a no, glint? It's success. It's, it's oh. one hit. Okay, never mind. I didn't roll that's a one. A that's right. Did you? Yeah, is, is is one of them a one or is it? Okay, no, so it's no, no, just no, no. one that's hit. A, that's what I meant. Was if there was one, one would that be a glitch? And it probably would be. He pulls you down. Uh, you both fall onto the ground, and he screams uh, because he falls on some of his broken ribs. And there are a couple of people who are around, and they come to help. And there's like three or four people who are around you, and they all start lifting you up. And uh, as you're being helped up by this group of people, and like you know, people are like, "Oh my God, fuck, fuck, get him, get him!" They, fell, you know, this guy's really hurt. They're lifting you up. Uh, one of them is like, "Oh, we got it. Okay, you feel or like okay? It seems like you're all right." And he like lifts the helmet off of your head. Be like, "You feeling okay?" Lux immediately grabs his face as if he's in pain, and he's like, "No, I hit the back of my head," and he's grabbing the front of his face like he's got like a, a really bad migraine <laughs> or something and he's like just give me a second and he kind of uh, sits up and tries to look away from him if that's possible uh, he sits up he tries to look away <laughs> is there a cream pie nearby <laughs> <laughs> they definitely have to have a cream pie in this fucking helicopter Mike and don't start giving shit about roll this or roll that it's a, there's a fucking cream pie here have you been in a medevac helicopter? There are cream pies in, the, they in keep those in their yeah. bitches. What if you need a pie? It's right next to the leeches. You got It's a medical yeah. necessity. You need the leeches yeah. and you need the cream pie. What if there's a drive-by fruiting? How are you going to clean that? <laughs> that's, an, that's another valid question. Yes, welcome, welcome. Have a seat, have a seat right there. Now, as I'm sure you've heard, I, I hope you don't mind we get right down to business. As I'm sure you've heard, the Directorate is very, very excited to finally have you on board, both literally, of course, and metaphorically. The, um, the, uh, the what, what? The, the bandages. Oh, uh, no, 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 don't worry about that, not a thing. Um, I just, I fell into my bookshelf. Now, uh, on to the matter of hand. Uh, let's see, I have your contract right here, right here. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so, the venture is quite simple. Quite, quite simple. A small matter indeed. Uh, the archive is asking that you acquire a vile tome. Just a, a disgusting compendium filled with lies and slander about the co. Something called the, um, <clears throat> I will probably mispronounce this. The Stillfleet Core Rulebook uh, at a location called Kickstarter. Uh, these political types always with their jargon and their argot, but I'm sure a, uh, an experienced fleeter such as yourself is, is, is familiar with the lingo. So, as you'll see uh, in, in, this, uh, in this contract, the rate for the venture is quite, quite generous indeed, uh, although the timeline is rather short. There's only slightly more than a week before it is too late, so you'll need to dispatch with your duties post-haste. Do you think you're up to the... Uh, wait, I, I, are you... Wait, are you... I, I will, I'll take your sudden departure as acceptance of the terms. I'll just... I'll sign your name here for you, then, as a simple courtesy and convenience. Oh, good luck! Back in the tunnels underneath Bryant Park. So TK is single-minded. You know, he smells the gas. He knows, he thinks that's good because fuck it. He knows no one's going to follow them. And he looks around for a ladder. 
Viv is reaching behind TK, like, what are we doing? And she's reaching and saying, Pickle. And I think she can sense that through Pickle, Pickle is unattended. Pickle's alone. Yeah, you hear distant in your mind reverberate the sound of Pickle, which is uh, just kind of sounds like. Wait a minute, they're not by Pickle anymore. And uh, she makes a downward motion with her hand to collapse Pickle into the water and uh, pulls that water toward them. Uh, you see a puddle sort of rush towards you. Uh, well, I guess you don't see the first part of it because it's around a corner, but a, a puddle it's rushes a towards you. Yeah, ways, turns yeah. a corner. <laughs> it's very cartoon-like. TK slash Bijan, if you want a ladder, uh, you're probably about halfway down this hallway between Sam on and the next kiosk. I think you would know that the next ladder that you would see would be attached to the kiosk in front of you. Yes. Do you just want to run towards it? Okay. You know you could put me down. TK does not respond. And Lash is following behind because TK is running surprisingly fast in this rage. And again, she is like kind of checking on Viv because she doesn't completely trust TK when he's like this. She's flailing her arms behind TK like a a wet fish. (laughs) All of you are starting to smell very strongly now the scent of uh, collecting methane in the hallways that you're in. Uh, You run forward and you get to the next kiosk uh, and uh, you are surrounded, in fact, actually by a bunch of those large stickers that have the recycling schedule on them and boxes and boxes and boxes of the transponders that uh, the Department of Sanitation gives to people to put inside their bins so that the automated trash collection machines that go around can locate them, uh, can actually find the bins and grab them. Uh, So you are just, yeah, you're surrounded by boxes of what are essentially GPS transponders for trash robots. If you look up, you can see that there is a collapsing ladder uh, or a retracting ladder uh, that is above you. Uh, You could jump and you could try to pull it down uh, and then you'd have to break through. You know, you're doing the same thing in reverse that you did a couple minutes ago. Uh, You gotta just go through the other side of a door. The other thing that you see when you are looking for the ladder is you look to your right and you see the two knight-errant guards uh, that were just in front of you approaching very quickly. They're maybe 12, 15 feet away. We invite you to the process of creating peace. Lash immediately opens up that transponder box and starts kicking the transponders towards, like soccer balls, towards the two knight-errant guards. Yeah, you are throwing a bunch of, like, uh, they kind of just look like big coins, uh, and you are tossing mm. them towards uh, all of the... Oh, they're not big? They're just coin-like? Yeah, yeah. it essentially looks like an <laughs> apple tag. Oh, I thought they were big. Big Is transponders. Anything- <laughs> You're thinking of transformers. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking of transformers. That's it. I guess I'm doing that. But is there anything else in the boxes nearby? Anything more substantial? Uh, you are surrounded mostly by boxes of pieces of paper and these tiny plastic transponders directly in front of the knight errant guards, uh, basically like where they are standing. There are piles and piles of black plastic boxes that I think you would recognize as effectively like cable boxes. Uh, like these are signal transmitters for inline cable in your apartment. Um, and if you look behind you, uh, to the left, when you uh, enter in, uh, there is uh, what looks like a bunch of pizza boxes. Okay, so I guess Lash is kicking these transponders. 
kind of as a last effort. Yeah. We we got to get up that ladder. Oh, Viv, Viv is already on top of TK, right? And so she's looking up above her. Can does she reach it? Uh, yeah, she can reach it. Just uh, roll strength and try to pull it down. You got one hand. <laughs> Viv, you are unsuccessful. Uh, uh, yeah. It's uh, it's really it's really slippery, right? Yeah. It's slippery. She reaches and uh, like can barely get her spindly fingers around it. Well, you're glad you missed because the second your hands release that ladder, the rung of the ladder where your hands just were is hit with two taser rounds. <gasps> the blue arc crackles. How dare you? DK yells, gas, and looks at the knight errant. No, knight errant. <laughs> no, you idiot. I think there's gas in this tunnel. DK puts Viv down and steps in front of Viv and Lash, putting himself between them and the Knight Errant guards. You are making us fear for our safety. Please get down on the ground in the water. TK doesn't say anything, but uh, assumes no. that the Knight Errant can smell the gas now. They cannot because their suit filters the air. The same thing that prevented them from being affected by the stink bomb means that they cannot smell the chemical that is added to natural gas to make it detectable to human noses. However, you do see a little red light begins to flash on a little place in their collar. TK points at the light. Flash, can you reach up to there? Are we cornered here? Are we at the end? We're cornered. You are not at the We're end. We're not cornered. Uh, yeah, you are we not. We can if go you, back. If you go to the left at the end of the hallway, you would head towards what looks like a pizza kiosk. Uh, so Lash kind of Again, now she picks up Viv and she starts what? running towards the pizza kiosk. Both agents fire a volley of tranquilizing flechettes. Their guns spin, hum, and click. A little light, like a finger snapping click. And then you hear echoing in the tunnel the of a dozen micro darts headed for your skin. Whose skin? Oh. Well, I mean, whoever's close, depends on who gets hit, you know? <laughs> Spray and pray. Uh, whoever's closest, definitely in the most danger, I guess. Lash picked up Viv and made a beeline for the pizza place. Is hmm? TK standing his ground uh, where he was in front of them? TK doesn't realize that they left. TK then. Uh, so TK roll reaction plus intuition, and Taylor roll to hit. Eight hits. Five hits. TK, you are hit. Uh, some of them sail by you. You feel the air of the flechettes uh, going by you, but some of them connect. They hit you right in the chest, but it's almost like you're standing 10 feet away. Uh, like you feel it, but it feels distant. TK looks at them, looks behind him, and then just takes off running. Back up top, outside, it is pouring rain, and uh, there is continuing bedlam outside. But... Lots of uh, care and camaraderie and making sure everybody's okay. Inside the one remaining Metro Health Corps helicopter, what is Lux doing? He's trying. To, is he still trying to disguise himself? No, I think he just turned away from them briefly to, to act like his head was hurt and just grab his helmet and try to pop it back on before anybody really takes note. Uh, yeah, I think he's like, oh, hit my fucking head. And he's, you know, he's covering his face and he's like, I told you not to get up, man. You're too hurt to move, man. And um, he grabs his helmet and, and pops it on. Uh, one of the other people that's around uh, goes and tries to get the guy that hurt himself uh, and hears you say that you hurt your head and sees a guy trying to hand you your helmet back and try to put it back on top of your head. He goes, oh, no, no, hold on. We got to make sure we got to make sure you're all right. Oh, let me let me take a look. Let me me. Did you break your nose. And he like puts his hands on either side uh, <laughs> of your head 
uh, in that you know that way that doctors do. Have you ever have you ever had anybody test to see if you ever broken nose? They like you know push on your cheekbones because no. you often get the you know you get like a big oh, swelling bruise. He's like, does that does that hurt? Is that, are you okay? No, I'm good. You fine? Okay. I think I just got startled. I'm gonna. Did you come in on the other chopper? Yeah, man. It's a fucking nightmare, dude. I don't, uh, what's your name? <laughs> it's Jenkins, man. Carter Jenkins. You uh, you sound pretty worried. Are you sure you're okay for uh, you sure you're okay for for duty? Yeah, I'm fine. How are you not worried, man? Uh, I've been through training. Um, Lux looks around at you know the chaos, and he's like, well. I don't think training was anything like this, but how are you feeling? Fucking right, bro. Uh, I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, it's a job, I guess. Uh, and as yeah. he says this, you hear someone who's behind him uh, on the outside say, Little help! Hey, uh, little, little help! And you look and you see uh, someone is uh, basically dragging a two-hander stretcher. Uh, there's someone who's on it, and they're having a hard time moving it, like pulling it through the mud. It seems like it's heavy. It's slow going. They're just outside the rain. And the guy that you're talking to says, Jenkins, go give him a hand. I'll, I'll make sure that this guy's okay. Okay, good. And tell him not to move. Um, <laughs> he grabs his helmet, p- pops it on, and goes, uh, rushes off to help the guy in the stretcher coming in. So uh, you run over there, and uh, he says, oh, man, thank you so much. This has just been a real struggle coming from the other chopper. Can you just grab the other end of this and just help me get this guy into a slip? Uh, uh, I don't know if I can go much further just by myself. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so he grabs the other end. Okay, uh, you pick up the other end, and you you look down uh, at the person that you're carrying, and you see their face. Uh, Their face is near you. You got the head end, and you see uh, eyelids, their eyelids sort of like moving, their eyes are closed, they're definitely unconscious. It is the younger black-haired kid who you saw give the speech at the start of the protest, and who took a beanbag to the solar plexus. Oof. Oof. And you are walking with him, and the guy who's carrying him, and he leads you to one of the few remaining empty slots, uh, slips as the guy called them, where there are people kind of like conscious, unconscious, half conscious, some trying to get out of their restraints, some just like, I think some of them honestly thinking that they're gonna go get medical care, that like they're gonna, they got hurt and they're, you know, Evo's here to take care of them. I think a lot of people are like, wow, you know, Evo came here to help. Like, I don't think everybody is fully aware of what's going on. And he's like, uh, the guy who's on the other end, on the feet end. Uh, okay, uh, just, uh, uh, okay, you spin around this way, and he sets part of the stretcher into these little slots in the ground. He's like, okay, now, like, hoist him up uh, while I go get the, the strap so that he doesn't fall out. And he, like, walks over to the corner, and he gets these wide Velcro straps. Do you do what he asks and sort of, like, hoist him into the little hole that makes him stand at 45-degree angle? Um... No, Lux, Lux is like, no, no, wait, wait. I think this guy needs medical attention. Uh, yeah, he's going to get medical attention. That's why he's in the helicopter. No, I mean immediate medical attention, man. This guy who has brought him in is like, 
uh, he, I think he's tired. He feels like he's done his job. He set him in this thing. He's like, all right, man, like you take care of him. I'm going to go get the last couple people, and then we are going to get out of here. And he points around, and you see that there aren't that many slots left uh, for yeah. people to take in from the outside. Yep. And as you are like checking this person, this guy who gave this talk, uh-huh. uh, his name is Jordan, but you don't know that. Uh, as you are checking Jordan, um, you uh, sort of like feel something that was sort of like balanced on his chest, uh, like underneath the uh, the blanket, the waterproof blanket that they put on top of him. And uh-huh. uh, you sort of knock it uh, and it falls out from underneath. And it's his red, white, and black megaphone that uh, was, like, with him. And as you do it, uh, the guy who is with you, who's, like, just on his way, he's like, oh, yeah, that guy had some, like, personal effects or whatever. Just make sure those go in the trash, uh, uh, you know, on your way out. And he points to a bin that's just got, like, a bunch of stuff in it. I think Lux probably recognizes this as, like, a a pretty, um, like, a pretty significant and powerful object uh does does having it uh, just sort of clatter to his feet in this way does it like does this trigger anything for him does this does this sort of um yeah like how does he react to this basically lux's plan to get to evo was a plan that involved a sacrifice a sacrifice of of something that he he already saw as happening whether he got on this chopper or not which is that these people were going to go to evo and the evil that they were going to do was going to be done. But he was going to be there too. Things have changed because A, more people have come on. Um, and B, one of the leaders has come on as well. And um, I think that he is now calculated that he can't just afford to be like, okay, all these people's brains are going to get scrambled, but we're going to get some good location data. Um, <laughs> because that's basically all he can really get. Because he's going to have to find out where they're going and then get the fuck out. There's nothing Lux knows how to do or can do to take down Evo when he gets there. Uh, right? I mean, he's going to have to just use every trick in his bag to basically get out and have some information. So he, you know, is checking this guy. He's hoping that this guy you know, is is well enough to maybe help him rally the troops a little bit, as it were. It looks like that's not going to happen. Yeah, every time you can maybe, you know, even, you know, you have smelling salts nearby, you crack them open, you almost knock yourself out catching a whiff, put them underneath his nose, and he, like, comes up for a sec and then just, like, falls back down. Uh, you know, you get him for maybe a couple seconds and he wheezes and coughs. Uh, but, yeah, he's in no, like, you don't even know whether or not this guy can stand. Yeah. Uh, Lux picks up the megaphone, hides it, and walks outside of the helicopter. It's pouring, and your shoes immediately fill with water. It continues to be utter chaos. Right in front of you, you see a number of people still dealing with the aftermath of the explosion of the other chopper. You've seen a steady stream of people coming from over there towards here. The stream is, is getting more and more sparse. You see now people starting to pick through uh, some of the things that fell off of the chopper that flew out of it when the fireball came out of the top of it. And that space is now largely taken up by a bunch of protesters who are kind of using it as, like, refuge. Like, they're kind of hiding near it. There are a number of knight-errant peace agents who are kind of, like, corralling them in. They're not aggressing them, but they are kind of, like, keeping them trapped there. Then uh, off to your right, uh, which would be west, on the other side of the band shell, you see what continues to be, and like really, this is, you've only been here for maybe an hour. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, like not a lot of time has passed. 
you see uh, the continuing uh, large group of people who are variously uh, shouting at the Knight Errant agents. Uh, the Knight Errant agents are trying to restrain them. Uh, they're trying to put them into these bulbous vans, too. You keep hearing this as people are around you. Process them? You're not really sure, like, are you? Is the, Are the copters processing? Are the vans processing? Like, something is happening. They're being taken somewhere. But yeah, in, in different parts of Bryant Park, it's a different scene. There's ongoing melee, and some there's what seems like a standoff. You see a bunch of people hiding, and you see a number of people still trying to leave. I think that you do notice something. There are definitely more protesters than there are knight errant. Right. Lux looks around and surveys uh, what is going on, and he sees that they have numbers. If they all grouped up and worked in concert, they may be able to get something done. Uh, the only thing that, that Lux can think to suggest is what he says. He holds a, micro, uh, holds a megaphone up to his mouth and says, Citizens of New York, rush this helicopter. These helicopters are not providing medical care. Our brothers and sisters' minds are about to be wiped. They are trying to exterminate you. Rush it now, now, now. And he is just, you know, yelling at them to come and rush this helicopter. Everyone inside, everyone push inside. Um, just to get enough weight onto the helicopter so it can't move. A bunch of people near you look at you as soon as you start talking, you take the megaphone out of your hand, out of your pocket, mm-hmm. or, you know, out from underneath your jacket, wherever you're hiding it. It's surprisingly light, and you put it to your mouth, and it's surprisingly loud when you use mm-hmm. it. People who are close to you are like, at first they're confused, and, they're, and they don't know what to do, and then they like... I'm wearing <laughs> kinda, yeah, because you're wearing, you're wearing <laughs> yeah. the uniform, but like, they're close enough that they like, you know, they see the conviction, uh, and they look inside, and they see uh, all of these people who are in these gurneys, uh, on these beds, just kind of like sitting there and they see all of the evo people around them and then they kind of start to inch towards you slowly and then people see them move and they start to move and i think you start to see people who like previously maybe like were hiding or avoiding because they didn't really know what to do start to finally have something to do and so uh some of the folks who are maybe cowering up against the band shell stand up and they're like well I can stand in a helicopter. That's easy. I can do that. And you start to get a group of people to walk towards you. Underground in the tunnels, uh, downstairs, you all hear, I don't know that you can hear what it is saying, but you hear a voice shouting things from a megaphone. Uh, It's basically directly above you. And uh, someone is making an announcement of some kind, but you do not know what it is. There are two knight errant guards that are advancing on all three of you. TK, you just took some flechettes in the chest to no effect. You book it towards uh, Lash and Viv, who are in the northeastern corner of the underground tunnels underneath Bryant Park uh, in the storage area for 
a kiosk called Zaspot, uh, which is a, a small pizza restaurant. And uh, you have reached the end of the easternmost corridor. So your only options now are to go back the way that you came towards the Knight Errant Guards or west, which is to your left, uh, like down a long hallway that's currently black, currently dark, and towards another unseen kiosk that is roughly back the way you came. Uh, that is back in the direction you just were when you left Sam on. EK is going to look for the ladder that he knows is there now, uh, grab it and pull it down and start trying to shove Viv up the ladder. Oh, uh, yeah, jump and roll strength and uh, hit three and you'll pull it down. Two hits. Yeah. You jump up and grab it and you do that thing where you kind of like try to pull your weight down on it and pull it down. But uh, you can see the hook, the lock that keeps it in place. That's meant to be unlatched, um, you know, with like a, a special hook or like a machine or from the other side, like you're not sure. But it's like it's not coming down. But You feel like if you keep trying, eventually it's going to come out. The night errant guards are slowly or maybe quickly. Taylor will tell me. Uh, advancing on you, getting closer and closer. Viv gets in front of uh, TK and goes, no, 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 not again. And she goes, pickle! And she like raises uh, a puddle and pickle like inflates to fill (laughs) the space between them again. The pickle reappears, but they know you're trying to make it to the corner. So there's no point trying to run around the hallways and try to come around the other side. It's now or never. The short one in front with the mana shield still up in his other hand, raises a weapon to fire, and the taller one behind him says, no, the room is toxic, don't. And before the word don't can (gasps) even escape, he fires a full automatic round of actual gun ammunition. (gasps) The sound would be muffled to you on the other side of the (laughs) picture. Imagine a whoop so strong It hits you in the chest like a punch right to the solar plexus. Through the pickle, you see, through that shimmering spirit, you see a blue flash. The flash travels away from the gunfire and down the hallway from which you originally ran. And in a quarter second, when it hits the other end of that hallway, then the orange flash, You see it from both sides. You see it in front of you and then down the length of the other hallway that you just got to the top of. The pickle flies at you <laughs> like a bullet in the barrel of a gun. <laughs> Viv makes a quick motion to flatten it. And the pickle flattens, but it sprays you with water like you're <laughs> going down a log flume. It sprays off to either side of you. But that is not all. The two night errant agents are thrown against the wall, and you hear the plastic metal of their armor crack. It <gasps> takes a lot of force to crack those things. That is serious body armor. You hear it crack. They cannot hear anything. They are deafened by the explosion. So you're the only ones that hear what happens next. The great grinding squeal of hot metal being torn from its rivets and concrete ripping like British coffee cookies as this entire layer of the superstructure falls 45 degrees. Everyone, give me a roll to see if you can hang on and not be dropped to the depths of old Manhattan, hundreds and hundreds of yards below. As the entire hallway that you're in becomes a ramp. Shit! Boxes of 
freeze-dried scallions fly by your head. Boxes of soy soy sauce go flying, sliding down, lubricating the hallway. Wheels of pizza dough go careening and caroming down. And then as they silently fall into the void below. Give me a roll. Can you hang on? All at once, yeah. You feel distant parts of the hallways that you're in that are all interconnected. You've been walking through them. You've seen the rivets. You've seen how it's all sort of bolted together. You feel it drop, and then you see it drop, and the hallways in front of you just fall downward 10 degrees, 20 degrees, and then 30 and 45 degrees uh, as you stand in the one part that's anywhere nearby that is still attached for the briefest moment uh, to the underside of the superstructure. And you suddenly smell that familiar, damp, salty smell of raised New York, the old New York City that is underneath the superstructure. And if you look down the hallway that's to your right, uh, back in the direction that you came, 45 degrees down, you see it lit very dimly and blue by the distant and frosted light panels that are underneath the superstructure. And, I mean, where you are now, it is one of the highest distances between the top of the superstructure and uh, the surface below, where the, like, foot-high foundations of, uh, of raised New York soak in the rising tides of the ocean. So if you were to fall, you're falling, like, 14 stories uh, down into just wow. a okay, puddle of uh, rubble. Does Oof. the part of Bryant Park that's under this also collapse? Because if the thing that's holding it up isn't there anymore, wouldn't there also be just like a major sinkhole in the middle of the park? No, because the structure that's above you is uh, extremely thick and very rigid, and you have not damaged any of the pillars that keep the superstructure lofted. Uh, you have only damaged effectively like a thing that was kind of like grafted onto the underside of it. Some engineer is definitely going to be fired because <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Your Honor, we didn't expect somebody would intentionally set off a natural gas explosion. <laughs> I'm going to say everybody roll reaction plus intuition to make the leap in time to like just try to grab onto something. Can I use a gymnastic roll? You absolutely can. And I just want a four. All you have to do is hold on to something that is not falling away. All of the pizza boxes fall down this new ramp that you're now near, and you just hear them distant, like, as they fall into the water uh, of the city below. Viv got a four. Lash gets six hits. TK got three hits. Viv, you make it. What do you grab onto? Is there railing? Yeah, there's like a little railing that leads up to the ladder. Uh, there's like a little sort of uh, stainless steel safety thing that's right there. She almost doesn't catch it. And she just, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, Lash, uh, you start to feel yourself slide uh, as uh, the hallway lurches down and becomes uh, the world's worst party slide. But you make it. What do you grab onto? Yeah, Lash has been practicing box jumps and has gotten surprisingly high. Uh, so she kind of does like this straight up in the air box jump and she actually grabs onto the ladder and she actually gets half her leg around the bottom of the ladder. Oh, in all the right. Movement. TK, you are 
you're caught off guard. Maybe you were too focused on the knight errant guards. Maybe your rage is just makes it so that you're not uh, fully aware of the situation, but you aren't able to grab onto anything. You smack the floor of the tunnel, the metal, uh, sheet metal floor, and you start sliding backwards down the ramp towards the underneath of the superstructure, towards Ray's New York, a 14-story drop. Is he looking at Lash and Viv, or is he looking toward the edge? He is looking at Lash and Viv. They are getting smaller and smaller by the second. <gasps> TK! TK! Uh, I think he tries to grab onto something, but the metal is just too slick. Maybe it's the soy, soy sauce, or the pizza rolls, pizza dough. Yeah, and he's, he's getting closer and closer to the edge. And I think... As he's falling off where the split is, he sees the night air guards and he's spinning. And I think as he goes over, he tries to grapple hand onto anything, hopefully like the bottom of the ramp or like something further up. He just shoots his grapple at the space between Lash and Viv and he closes his eyes. I'm going to say roll strength plus agility. Hopefully TK doesn't fucking die here. I don't know. No hits? <laughs> Yay! TK shuts his eyes, uh, feels himself sliding down the sheet metal hallway ramp, stretches his grapple arm forward, fires. He comes out of his rage and feels peaceful. Viv, you're watching TK fall mm-hmm. in the mouth of the destroyed walkway. Uh-huh. And to your left, <gasps> you hear, hey, it's the short knight errant peace agent. He's standing wobbly, one foot on the floor, the other foot on the wall that was to his left. But he's standing straight up. His helmet is lying cracked like an eggshell in the debris. And you can see his face. There's blood on it. Not just blood on it. You can see the blood running from a crack at his temple. But you see his face. Suddenly, you're back in the hallway of the Chaz. You are being crushed by people. Cops and rioters and chasers and everybody. And a guy, obviously a cop, in like a beige members-only jacket, hits your shoulder, walks by you, trying to get to wherever he and his pals are going. You turn to look at him. He looks at you. And just for one second, you see his face. That's the same face (gasps) you see right now. You think I don't know who you are? Who am I? You're fucking dead. And he lifts up a holdout 38 special. Holdout is a gun, no tech on it, no cameras, no Wi Fi, no air tags, no electronics whatsoever. An untraceable, unrecordable gun. It's an old carved wooden handle with fucked up tape all over it. Looks like it's a hundred years old, but it has recently been polished. Points it at you. That's for the chairs. He fires.
You are now leaving Fun City. Thanks for listening. Did you know that for the monthly cost of one fancy coffee in the major metropolis of your choice, possibly including tip depending upon the price of the coffee and current exchange rate, you can get literal hours of additional entertainment from the Fun City crew, not just our bi-weekly chat show Fun Chatty where we talk about the show, politics, art, and make Shannon answer all of our neuroscience questions, but also early notification of live streams and access to our patron-only Discord with its banging book club and a cooking channel which regularly posts photos of the best-looking homemade baked goods I have ever seen with recipes. And for the additional monthly price of a fancy scone or two, let's say, you'll get access to bonus episodes, Mork, Borg, Side Games, and more. That's right, folks. Patreon.com forward slash Fun City Ventures. Think of it like Netflix, but cheaper, more fun, and with better labor practices. And of course, thanks to all of our current patrons for help keeping this ship afloat. Hi, I'm Bijan Steven, and you can find me online at Bijan Steven, B-I-J-A-N-S-T-E-P-H-E-N, on Twitter and Twitch. On Instagram, I'm Bijan Cakes, B-I-J-A-N Cakes. I'm Jen De La Vega. I play Vivian Lakewood, and you can find me online at Randwitches. Hey, this is Nick Gersio. I play Lux Scythe, and you can find me online at N Gersio, G-U-E-R-C-I-O, on Instagram, and at Nicholas Gersio on Twitter. I'm Shannon O'Dell. I play Lash Goodbog, and you can find me on social media at Shodell, at S-H-O-D-E-L-L. I am Taylor Moore, and I play all the bad guys, I think. Is that how it works? It's not clear. You can follow me online at taylor.biz. And my name is Mike Rugnetta. I am your GM. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, and YouTube at Mike Rugnetta. You can find the show on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Fun City Ventures. This episode of Fun City was recorded in Brooklyn, New York, and Los Angeles, California. It was edited by Sam Grant and produced and sound designed by me, Mike Rugnetta. Pixel Riffs spent all day stacking those transponders in order. Fun City's music is by Sam Tyndall, with tracks by Borrow Bound. And our art is by Tess Stone. Our Discord mods are Olivia Gulen, Kelly McHugh, and Kit Pulliam. And the voice of Artemis is Molly Templeton. <laughs>